Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Well, we're going to uh, now invite up Pastor David Hilliard, who's going to share a little bit about compassion and then also uh, bring our word uh, for today. So would you please welcome Pastor David as he comes to share. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Well, that was three of you. What about the rest? Hello. Great to be with you and... Um, Thank you, Pastor Josh and Bell, for the great work that you are doing here. Thank you. You're advancing the kingdom here in Murray Bridge. Beautiful Murray Bridge, yeah? yeah. Come on. Well, here we are in church Sunday, ready to worship God. We've been worshiping God, connecting one another. And now I want to affect your belief system. The belief system's that invisible part of you that um, has a great effect in your life. It affects your decisions, your direction and your destiny. So your belief system's really important. So as I speak these invisible words that go in your ear gate and your eye gate, it will affect your belief system. Is that okay? Not sure about that one. Well, I've been with Compassion seven years nearly. Gosh, time flies when you're having fun. Before that, I was pastoring, pioneering a church in Adelaide, for those that don't know, for 25 years. Started off with a full head of hair, (laughs) and then pastoring took it all away. I often struggle with that verse that God says, oh, I've got all the hairs of your head numbered. (laughs) I think when Josh goes to heaven, they'll say 9,375,603, David, four. Um, (laughs) God's good, isn't he? Well, I just want to speak for a few moments about um, compassion. It's a wonderful ministry, a hope more powerful than poverty. Got the signs up there, that's great. Um, It's kingdom business. That's the business we're in. And compassion is about the kingdom of God. And um, I'm very thankful for the focus that we have at compassion. Our mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Um, God wants his church to be involved with the poor. If you're a follower of Christ, you're called to be involved with the poor. And uh, it's a great privilege to do that. Our vision, that is our strategy to achieve releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name, is that we're a Christ-centered ministry. Jesus is right at the center of everything we do. And so um, we're not ashamed of the gospel because we believe it's the power of God unto salvation. Some 40 years ago, I heard the gospel and it changed my life. And here I am 40 years later, 
stood in front of you good people speaking about Jesus. That's miraculous. Um, Oh, let me go back. Child-centered. We believe in the potential of children. Poverty speaks to children and says to them that they have no future, that they've got no value, that they're worthless. Uh, We know that the Word of God says something very different. And children are valuable and they are precious to God. So um, they're right at the center, along with Jesus. Children are part of our ministry, a vital part. And we're church-based. We work with over 8,000 churches in 25 developing countries. And uh, we believe in the local church. Uh, God's hearts for the poor. Leviticus, which I know is one of your favorite books. Leviticus 23:22 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleanings. In other words, the, the grain that falls to the floor. You leave that for the stranger and for the poor. Now, this is written to the Israel during the Feast of Weeks with the harvest of the Pentecost. So if you're a Pentecostal, you're called to harvest your field, but leave a corner. Actually, it's not just the Pentecostals, it's everybody that's a follower. You're called to leave the corner. And the corner of that field is a part of your income for the poor. How good's that? God's hearts for the children. We remember the story where the disciples were shooing away the children. But Jesus said, no, let them come to me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He goes on to say, in fact, you need to become like children to enter the kingdom of God. So that honesty, that vulnerability, that openness of childlikeness. So God's hearts for the poor, for children, and also for the foreigner. Again in Leviticus God says, when a stranger comes amongst you, embrace them, love them, care for them, treat them as one of your own. And Israel said, why should we do that? And God says, because at one time you too were foreigners in the land of Egypt. See, when God looks at people, he doesn't see the color of their skin or the borders of their land. He just sees people. Compassion began in 1952, which is near on 70 years ago with Everett Swanson there, that picture of that man. He was ministering to the military during the Korean conflict during 1950 to 1953. And as it was his custom, he'd go around the streets of Seoul and just soak up the atmosphere and pray. And one particular morning, he saw a cart coming towards him that he thought was collecting rubbish. It turned out to be dead children. So he was moved with compassion to do something. He felt a great conviction. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And so he began the work of compassion with 35 children gathered together, orphans. And I'm pleased to say that today we sponsor 2.2 million children. So from small seeds can grow big trees, yeah. Where we work is... um, In the blue there, you can see the countries in South America, Africa, and Asia. And the yellow 
uh, the partnership countries. What's interesting to see is that on the Korean peninsula, that Korea now is a partnership country. In 1993, it swapped from being a beneficiary to a partnership country, and now over 2,000 churches sponsor children with compassion, which is wonderful. Um, when you sponsor a child, and it costs $11 a week to sponsor a child, and um, it's not just the money, it's the relationship you build with them as you write letters to them, as you pray for them, as you get to know them. But your sponsorship provides education. We buy their school materials, their school uniforms. We make sure that they go to school because school is a part of the breaking of that cycle of poverty. Healthcare, they get... Um, Dental checks, health checks on a regular basis. Nutritious meals, that goes without saying. And vocational training, and I've said that here before. Um, vocational training is really important to us. We want them to be trained up. First of all, we want them to dream again. Dream about becoming something, because poverty steals that. So we want them to dream, to start believing that they can become teachers, chefs, mechanics, and that we want to put the practical application in to train them. So vocational training is really important back to their own families. So um, vocational training is really important to us. Um, Christian teaching, that's because they come into the church and each family is advised very clearly that they'll be coming in. We run our programs from a local church and they will be receiving Christian education. And our statistic is each year, each year, 135,000 plus children give their lives to Christ through those 8,000 churches. Next year, we're going into Malawi and Myanmar and starting to work with local churches there. And um, we covet your prayers because uh, particularly Myanmar is very um, volatile at the moment. Somebody said to me, where's the safest place that compassion work? I said, I don't think there is one. So um, this church sponsors over 80 children. Come on. That's wonderful. 80 children are sponsored and over 80. I think it's 82 or 83 children you sponsor. And uh, you sponsor children like Bo Boboy. He's one of nine children living in the Philippines. And um, he's been waiting 210 days. Now, on your chairs, you've got a picture of a child. I'd love you to take a hold of that picture. Because we're going to pray for these children. The Bible says, the prayers of the righteous avails much. So as we pray, we want to avail much and have changes take place in these children's lives. So let's pray. Father, we lift up these children before you and we pray for them. 
we come boldly before the throne of grace and we say, your kingdom come and your will be done in the lives of these children. We pray that they be released from poverty in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We have a QR code that's going to be on your website, I believe. And so um, you can go into the QR code and look at some children there from the Philippines and sponsor as well. And for all those online, you can do that as well. So that's wonderful. Um, we're hoping, we're hoping and believing that in the next financial year, not this financial year that's just started, but in 2023 to 2024, we'll be going on a trip to the Philippines. Your regional area is the Philippines, and we've already been on trips across to the Philippines, and I've promised to behave myself this time. And um, we'd love you to come along. So if you sponsor a child from the Philippines or if you just sponsor a child and you'd love to come across to the Philippines and see the work of the church, see the work of the program, we'd love you to come. And so you can start registering your names with um, Pastor Josh and Bell. And... Um, you can sponsor a child today. Come on. My beautiful wife, Carol, she loves this part. Stand up, love. Yeah, give her a hand. Um, she'd love to uh, talk to you. And Nancy as well is going to be there. Talk to you about sponsoring a child. $11. And it makes a massive difference. Look at the person next to you and say, it makes a massive difference. Come on. So thank you for your support. This church is such a supporter of compassion. We really value you. So thank you so much. All good. Are you ready for the word of God? Come on. Well, it's interesting days that we live in, isn't it? My goodness. There's a lot of unsettledness. And in people being unsettled, insecurity arises. For the last two and a half, three years, we've had COVID-19. We've got Ukraine invaded. We've got Russia with nuclear threats. We've got China, North Korea, climate change, floods, fires, inflation, cost of living, interest rates. It's amazing what's going on. It's interesting that they reckon it's unprecedented the amount of people that are resigning from their work and looking to get new jobs or a new direction because people are unsettled. But I think in this time, it's a great opportunity for the church because people are asking questions. When people are unsettled, they want to ask questions. And we in the church... Oh, you're on too far. We in the church are here to answer questions of life. Come on. 
You might be visiting today and you've got questions. We love questions. Feel free to ask questions. And we need to be developed to bring answers to those questions. It's a tremendous opportunity. You've been empowered. When we think of empowering often, we think of the miraculous and we want the miraculous. Amen? But also there's a very practical answers to questions. Jesus said to the disciples, I'll make you fishers of men. You've got to know what you're fishing for. And the world has changed. People's worldviews changed. And so we have to be smart and work through the type of fish that we're fishing for. First question of life, is there a God? Evolution extracts God from the equation. There's no creative genius to the world. It's an accident. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15.32, If the dead do not rise, let us eat, drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. So if there is no God, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. Come on. What are you doing here if there is no God? Evolution answers these questions. Who am I? You're an accident. Why am I here? No reason. Where am I going? Nowhere. Oh, great. However, from a Christian perspective, the Bible says in Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by all things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, creation amplifies and speaks of God. You look at creation... And God speaking to humanity. Is there a God? Well, if there is, the next question is, who is he or she? Want to be politically correct there. Who is he? Google says there are 4,300 religions in the world. 4,300. So if you're on the journey of you've decided that there is a God, I remember before I got, became a Christian, I used to believe that there was a God, but I just didn't know him. Then when I discovered him, it changed my life. There's a journey of discovery. In those 4,300 religions, there's Hinduism, Buddhist, Islam, Sikhism, Rastafarian, Shinta, Shinto, Baha'i, multicultural God, can't make up his mind God, compromise God, let's get along with everybody God. Who is God? Who we determine God is will affect our belief system. The Christian understanding of who is God is based on the Bible. We believe this to be the infallible word of God. And I want to encourage you, get to know your Bible. 
one of the biggest challenges of 21st century Christianity is people don't know the Bible. I want to encourage you, study the Word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Bible is outrageous in its claims. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as all, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 1 Timothy 3.16, God manifest in the flesh. So who is God? The Bible claims Jesus Christ came in flesh as man and as fully God. He was born of a virgin who was betrothed to another man. He was fully God, fully man. He emptied himself of his divine privileges. He took on the role as a servant, healed people of all manner of diseases and ailments, raised people from the dead. This is outrageous. He proclaimed that God is love, God is spirit. And also he said, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. It's outrageous. He committed no crime, but he was crucified, dead and buried. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. Come on. It's bizarre. You see, you have to have an encounter with God to believe this stuff. Because it's too outrageous. Jesus parades himself as the only one. He died and rose from the dead. That's crazy. But when I was in that field in Tasmania some 40 years ago, when I had long flowing hair, I always like to dwell on that for a moment. <laughs> and the Spirit of God came upon me. I had the encounter that changed my life. That's the power of God. And now I believe all this stuff. I believe he is the resurrection and the life. I believe he's the bread of life. I believe he's the light of the world. I believe he's the good shepherd. I believe that he's the savior of the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but through him the world might be saved. So as the church, we want to be empowered to answer questions because the fish that we want to bring in, they want answers to questions. It says of him that he came back to life and for 40 days he hung around Jerusalem and he appeared many times to the disciples. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it says that he appeared to 500 brethren at one time. I mean, this is outrageous. It says that he walked through walls. 
He ate fish. What manner of person is this? And then, at the end of the 40 days, he stood before them and he ascended into heaven. And as he's going, he's saying, going to Jerusalem, you shall receive power from the Holy Spirit and go into all the world and preach the gospel. How bizarre is that? It's incredible. We all need an encounter with God. The Bible is a book about identity. Who is he? Who is God? Who am I? The next question. It's all right, I've only got three questions left. Who am I? Because the next question you ask is, who is God? Well, who am I? Who are you? Who are you? Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created male and female, he created them. You are the image of God. All humanity is in the image of God. You belong to God. Humanity belongs to God. Our message to Murray Bridge and the surrounding region is you belong. We are not here to judge people. Judge their behavior. That is not our calling. Jesus is going to judge the world. Our business is to let people know that they belong. That they belong to God. It's a great message. You are valuable. You are precious. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Your spirit is your life force. You see, God is spirit and we're created in the image of God. I have a soul and I live in, you've got to have one of these to be on the planet. You can see this magnificent specimen before you. Well, I live inside of this body. And when I die, because as you get older, you realize that things start to fall out and to drop and to change. Can anybody relate? Don't make me feel alone here. Does anybody relate to that? Yeah. Well, I live inside of this body, but one day this body will fall to the ground. And this is a promise of the Bible. I'm going to get a new body. Come on. Come on. This is outrageous, honestly. It's crazy. I'm going to get a new body and it's going to be immortal. And I'm going to be able to walk through walls. I'll be able to disappear and end up wherever I want to go. Qantas is going to be out of business. <laughs> Don't need your aeroplanes, I can go. And it's immortal. Oh. <laughs> I think I'm being told something. <laughs> Who am I? You are valuable. You are spirit. 
You have a soul. Your spirit is self-giving. Your soul is self-expression. And your body is self-serving. My biggest problem is me, not the devil. The devil doesn't help. But my biggest problem is me. Your biggest problem is... Who said you? No. Well, you are. Why am I here? You're here to love people. Let them know that they belong to God. Don't judge people. Just love them. Love God and love people. Loving God's easy. You lot are hard. People are unusual. I know you don't have any unusual people in this church, but generally, people are a bit strange, I find. But we're called to love. That's why you're here. And you have the love of God inside of you, Romans 5.5. The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart and my heart by the Holy Spirit. You are empowered to love. And finally, where am I going? Well, when you die, according to the Bible, you're going to go to another geographic place, and it's called heaven, where the streets are paved with gold, not bitumen, gold. I don't know if I've told you this before, but uh, I was with a group of young people and they said to me, oh, how old are you going to be when you're in heaven? I thought, I'd better find some scripture on that. And I found some. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, as he is, so we shall be. How old was Jesus when he died? 33. That'll do me. I said to them, 33, and they said, oh, that is so old. <laughs> Who's happy with 33? Come on. It's all right, you'll get to 33 one day. <laughs> when you're 33, you think you're going to live forever, don't you? Then you get to 63. Oh. No, it's not old. Come on. See, God's good. Jesus gave two commandments. Love God, love people. We're going to go and be with him. You're not going to be on a cloud playing a harp, I don't believe. I believe will be about the purposes of God still. And you're going to live forever. Come on, this, this word is outrageous. Outrageous. What it claims. What it speaks of. I want to encourage you, if you're seeking the purposes of God in your life and you've not encountered him yet, ask and it shall be given 
Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. God loves people. You are very valuable. Every single person here. Whoop. And every person's got a purpose in God. Trust in the Lord. Look to Him. Have that encounter. And then you start to believe all these outrageous things that are spoken of in this word. It's wonderful. Come on. Life's good. There's challenges. Listen, you're going to get giants in your life. Don't let it deter you from fulfilling your purposes. Take on the giants. In God, you will overcome. Come on. In God, you will overcome. Let's just stand for a moment. such a good looking church all the good looking people come here let's pray Father we love you we thank you for your kindness we thank you that Jesus came so that we might have life and life abundantly I pray for every single person here, wherever they are in their relationship or not in a relationship with you, I pray that they would be drawn closer. And that they would know the truth of, and if the sun sets you free, you're truly free indeed. I pray for an encounter with the living God for every single person here, particularly those that are on the journey of discovery, wanting to know. Be as a child, be vulnerable, be open, and he will make himself known to you. We sense your presence here, Lord. We love you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We love you. We honor you. We say you are great and mighty. You are worthy of all our praise. There is none like you. are our God and we are your people we thank you for your kindness in the wonderful wonderful name of Yeshua Jesus and all God's people said Amen Amen God bless you Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge.
And remember, the door is always open for you at LifeHouse. God's house, our home.